The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. What makes a family a family? Hey, listeners. Welcome to In the Arena. I'm Jackie Goldberg. And I'm Leah Smart. And today we're going to be exploring family. So we're going to talk a little bit through actually a a little different of a structure. We're going to talk through the different definitions that we found around family and bring that together with some of the stories that we came up with for us. And then hopefully give you all some things to think about with your own families, with the families that you create, and really the connections that you have. Like I said, the first thing we did was we went to the dictionary and said, what is the definition of a family? And we found three definitions that we kind of tied to. And the first two, I think, are the ones we most relate to generally in our society. The first is descendants of common ancestors. So this one's pretty straightforward, right? You have a common ancestry group, and those people become your family by by blood and ancestry. And so what was interesting for me as we were exploring this is about two years ago, I did 23andMe. My dad has been interested in ancestry for quite a long time, and this was sort of the next step of looking at genealogy. And when I got the results back, I won't share all the results, but it was really a cool moment to look and say, okay, this is you know, where we're from. And at the time, it was just a region in Africa. But as they've gotten more and more people added to the pool of those who've done 23andMe, they've become more and more specific about really where my family is from. And then also like some of the other interesting mixes of people who've who've contributed to the family as well from a genetic perspective. So, you know, having a percentage of my ancestry be Irish slash British, you know, I think somewhere back there was Filipino, still trying to figure that one out. But there are all sorts of things that popped up for me that were really interesting. I think the overarching theme is probably unique to my group is being African-American or black in America. Uh, a lot of people who um, who are here that look like me don't necessarily know exactly where they come from because of the way that we got here. So it was cool to actually look back and continues to be interesting to look back and say, okay, where do we, where are we actually from? What are some of the traditions that happen there? And although I can't say that I'm, you know, completely converted and saying I'm, I'm going to start practicing all of these things, it's just giving me a better sense of who I am. It's so cool to to hear that your dad was always interested in this. And then something like 23andMe comes into our present day and we can get so much more information than we ever have. Yeah. Think about our grandparents and our great grandparents. And remember, we used to make family trees, you know, and, and kids still do that in, in day school today. But we have so much more information than we ever have had. And I haven't done 23andMe. Hearing your story, I am totally inspired to go ahead and do it. But I'm interested in, in, did it change anything for you at all? I don't think it changed anything like day to day. I think it, it gave me more, I don't want to say grounding, it, it, but it gave me just a different sense, a different sense. It gave me information. It's like to your point of family trees, 
That was always an interesting activity for me and for people, I think probably a lot of black people, because the question is like, how far back can you go? And you'd have kids who would go really far back and they'd be able to trace all these different things. And we didn't have that. Like we didn't have a whole history of where every single person was beyond my great great grandfather. So there weren't all these answers. And even more so, I mean, it's interesting because like people would say, oh, my great great grandfather was the governor or this or that. And like for us, like my great 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 grandfather was a slave. And so it's a very different conversation that I actually think wasn't even addressed at the time that I was a child, which is crazy because it's been, you know, 30 or 30 or so years. And I'm actually curious, too, like how they deal with that in schools now. Like maybe you don't go call your parents for the family tree. Maybe they're like, go, go do 23andMe. Yeah, here, <laughs> get, take uh, some saliva on the stick. Yeah. And go ahead. Yeah, it's so, I mean, it's crazy. Like we'll see kind of how this evolves over the next few decades, but just how much we can really start to find out about our past based yeah. on something like this. Yeah, and how about you? I'm yeah, curious. so, so you know, I'm Jewish, and so my ancestry goes way back, but I'm really intrigued by this because as Jews, we're two to three percent of the world. So we're a very small population. And Jewish people over the past tens of thousands of years have always married into Judaism, right? I mean, you see that changing now a lot of days. I mean, even in my family, we've had two conversions so far. So certainly interfaith marriages. But back in the day, Jews were inbreeding with Jews. And so what's really fascinating is that there are a lot of Jewish-specific diseases that we find. And you'll even see Jews today when they get married, either before they get married or before they have children, they actually get testing to see if they carry any of the genes aligned with some of these diseases like Tay-Sachs disease, for example. So what I'm interested in is potentially doing 23andMe from a health perspective, right? And you can get some information about your specific genes and health-related things that you could potentially inform me later on once I have kids one day. So there's a lot that could come out, right? Looking at my background and knowing that the majority of my family is Jewish, would love to see what's there. And then it brings us to kind of the second definition here, which is a group consisting of parents and children under one roof. I'd say this is the nuclear family. This is what we would typically think of when we think of family. And going into this episode today, I never want to take this topic of family lightly. Family is is a sensitive one. Everyone grows up in different homes. Everyone has different experiences that shape them. And when you think about this particular definition of the nuclear family, for me, I have a lot of gratitude for my family. And I also have compassion in recognizing that everyone has their own stories around family and that you can't assume that everyone has a fantastic close-knit family, right? You just can't assume that. Thinking about that gave me a lot of gratitude because I did grow up in a household where my parents were married for 36 years. My dad recently passed away, but I had two sisters or have two sisters and we're a family of five and we were very close knit. And I learned a lot from my family growing up just around how to be real with one another. And so when I think about family, I think we've all learned something, right? You learn something because you're around these people for the most part, often, or you're kind of given and you're told to be around these people, especially as a child growing up. And so there's something that you take away, something that you've learned. And I can probably think through a lot of things over the years that I've learned, but I really want to focus on one. And that is around being real enough to the point that you know that your family will always be there. And this was the case for me. And I know this is not for everyone, but 
knowing that my family would always be there for me, regardless of what happened, regardless of what mistakes I made, regardless of the tragedies that we suffered together, regardless of the fights that we've had over the years, siblings, parents, this fact of knowing that your family or my family would always be there for one another at the end of the day, it allowed us to really get through the fights and have those real conversations and communicate and just go through it, right? I think what I learned was not to repress or hold back, but to actually move forward and and communicate. And even if that means saying mean things, but then apologizing and taking it back, that allowance of moving through a difficult conflict or moving through a fight actually allowed me to learn the lesson of forgiveness. Forgiveness for me is coming complete and getting complete on a certain situation so that you can forgive the other person and really take ownership of your part in that. And I think the best thing about my family, and I hope for others, is that because you know they'll always be there, there was this ability to really allow for commitment to forgiveness and to moving through things versus holding things back or sweeping things under the rug. This is something that's a really, I think, deep topic, not just family, but 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 really being real and and having difficult conversations and getting to this point of completion and, and forgiveness. Yeah, I, I, I like that you share the realness because that comes into every relationship in different ways. I know you said like being real, but is there someone in your family that taught you the value of being real? How did you guys set that up as a norm or was it a norm? Well, I think in Judaism, I think this is like a Jewish culture thing, right? You, We always laugh that like the wife gets the way or like mm. the mom gets the way, right? Like in, in Judaism, it's like the mother is the, the mother of the household and mm-hmm. she's the bride. And, and so you'll often hear Jewish men joke or like whatever the wife wants, she gets. But it's, it's I think it's so embedded in our culture to really speak up and not hold things in, right? And I think that just something that I see it in, in my Jewish friends as well. And it's just something that I don't know if it's inherent in the way that we've just been brought up, but it's like we don't really hold things back. We kind of just say it. And and I said, like, we've had two conversions in my family, and you don't always see that in, in other families or other cultures, right? And so I don't know what it was, but that's what I attribute it to, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah, to, like, speak up, not hold back. And it sounds like the permission to do that with the like foundation or security that you'll be loved or respected and still part of the family no matter what. Like family aside from blood, but really just from an acceptance perspective, you're still part of it. Exactly. And that is something that I've learned over the years not to take for granted. Mm -hmm. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. 
I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. What about you? Yeah, I mean, you. so you brought up a really big thing around family that I think is super important. Most of us, in the U.S. at least, are conditioned around this idea of this nuclear family, this mom, this dad, these two parents that get married, they have children... And I think it's really important, again, to just acknowledge that not everybody's had that experience. And also, nuclear families aren't always incredible, right? So just because it's nuclear doesn't equal that you have a great family. And just because it's not doesn't mean you don't. For me, I grew up in a nuclear family, and that wasn't me alluding to having a bad family. But I just think it's important to, to acknowledge that because I do know people who haven't grown up in nuclear families who, or who are children of divorce and then step-parents and step-brothers you know brothers and sisters or adopted and you know don't even have their, their blood relatives. So we're talking to a lot of different people with different experiences. But again, back to the definition of a group of people under a roof, right? For me, I think the the big thing that came up was this was like a harder topic for me because I was trying to think about what lessons have I learned, but also what lessons am I still learning? The word I found was acceptance. And I think acceptance comes in a lot of different ways. I actually, you know, Jackie, you're saying like, you know, you're forced to be under the roof with these people. You know, they say that the saying people come into your life for a reason or they're in your life for a reason. I actually do believe that people are in our lives for a reason. And there are many different ways to, to talk about that. But, you know, for this specific conversation, I think it's I think family is there to help you learn something. And what I'm recognizing around acceptance is just accepting every person in your family, accepting the state of your family, accepting the changes that happen in your family, healing the wounds that come from the changes that happen in your family. So my parents are divorced. They were married for quite a long time, but it was a really hard time for me. And I think when I was 16 and, you know, there was, I think I was 17, they officially got divorced, but then 14 or so when they separated, I didn't have the maturity or the lexicon to understand what acceptance meant. And so you couldn't have even asked me how I was going to, like you said earlier, Jackie, move through this and kind of keep going. So I think for me as an adult now, it's been accepting the state of my own nuclear family and then also seeing and being with the experiences I've had. So being able to reflect and go back and say, okay, what happened here? And does it mean something about me? No, it just means that this is life and this is how, how it all shakes out at times. And some there are great times and there are hard times. And what it creates is empathy and understanding for each of the people in your family. I love that the lesson you've learned from your family is acceptance, because think about how powerful that is. Family, as we both said, is something that we're, we're born into in terms of this definition and that we're given. And so that power of acceptance is something that you kind of have to learn. Or if you don't, then you then what else is there? Right. And I'm sure there are many people who don't accept and then see like 
what that does and how that turns out and how that pans out. But when you do accept, it's such a powerful lesson because you can then bring it to places outside of your nuclear family, the family that you create or your Mm -hmm. friends or your other relationships, your workplace and so forth. So such a powerful lesson. Yeah. The whole point of acceptance is also like, of course, it's for the people in your family, but it's actually really for you. So, you know, when you think about being angry with someone, it's like being mad at someone and thinking that they're going to be the receiver of the pain. Like you are the receiver of the pain. So it's really about how do you heal the wounds so that you can actually move forward in your life and then create something that is meaningful to you once you've healed what you have. So that kind of takes us into the last definition here, which is a group of related things. And we loved this because it allows for so much more, especially in the last 30, 40 years in the U.S., all around the world, people have different definitions of what family means and what they want to create. And we realized and, and recognize, of course, that there are so many people in our lives that are like family and they're not our blood. And that's OK. And so, you know, we really wanted to dive into this because it's where we all have the power to actually build something we want. So who would you say makes up your family outside of blood related family? I'd say first and foremost, my dog. I have to say that she's like my little my little fur baby, I call her. But then really outside of that, it's my deepest friendships. There are people that I've known since I was three and there are people that I met at 30. And those people are the people that to me make up my family. I also think we have all of our kind of ancillary families outside of that or communities as well. But those would be my people. How about you? Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I just love this concept of being able to choose family. It can come from anything and be anyone. And I consider my close friends my family as well. Of course, my dog. This past weekend, I went to my best friend's house to visit her new baby that was born. She's two months old. And right when I got there, she started calling me Aunt Jackie. Mm -hmm. I mean, not the baby. She can't speak, but my (laughs) friend, right? And I loved that. I was like, wow, Aunt Jackie. I got the aunt status. And she was like, of course. Mm -hmm. And it just meant so much to me. You see, in this day and age, anyone can be family and people embrace that so fully. And so when we think about what makes up a family, what about our closest friends? What about our dog? What are these building blocks of family? What would you say comes to mind when you when you think about this? I think for me, it's two big things were the first that came to mind. I'm a big tradition person. So tradition is a big one. I can think of all sorts of traditions I have with people that I really care about, particularly around the holidays that come up that I get to do. And the second is connection. So being able to actually connect with someone on a level beyond kind of the basic small talk and all that, but a very deep level where people know things about you that, you know, many others don't. Those tend to be the people that I would consider family because we have so much trust between us. I couldn't agree more with those two. One for me is just commitment and prioritizing the people in my life who I do consider family. I heard this quote the other day, commitment is not confinement, it's liberation. People often think that when you're committed to something, it means you're confined into whatever you're committing to, but actually it's the exact opposite. Commitment allows you to make mistakes. It allows you to be okay with failure. It allows you to take risks. It allows you to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so when you have this commitment to your family, very similar to what I was explaining when um, I was talking about what my nuclear family gave me, that sense of commitment really just makes me feel like I could be my true self, which is another piece. I think authenticity is a building block of pure, real relationships. I know for myself that over the past few years when I've really discovered who I am, that sense of authenticity has really helped strengthen my relationships all over, but of course with the people I consider my family. I love that you mentioned the commitment piece and how you prioritize 
prioritize people. Renee Brown talks about this idea of a one-by-one square and writing down the people that matter most on that piece of paper that's one-by-one. It should be no bigger, and you shouldn't be writing in like the tiniest font you've ever written in. And the idea behind that is that there aren't so many people in this world that as we get older and as as our lives shift, that we can and want to prioritize. And so really it's about being intentional, it sounds like from what you're saying with commitment is like, how intentional am I am I about the people in my life that really matter? And if someone doesn't matter as much, that's okay. But how do I give to the people that matter most and then create my centrifugal circles of friends, et cetera, around that? Exactly. Well, hopefully you all have pulled some good pieces of this. I think the, the big thing here is what do you want to create? How do you want to build your family? And who are the people that you want to be there? And so, you know, really, again, this is about creating the spaciousness for you to decide how your family looks, hopefully find the value and lessons you've learned from your families. And then if you get curious or you haven't figured it out yet, learn more about your ancestry and the people that are multiple generations back from you. I would urge everyone to do some reflection on their family, their nuclear family, their ancestors, but also what they want in a a family for themselves, whether Mm -hmm. they have it today or what they want to create. And what are those building blocks for you that are so important that create your own family and who you surround yourself with? Well, thanks so much for joining us on the journey. If you want more of In the Arena, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, typing in LinkedIn, In the Arena. And we hope to see you back soon. Have a great day. 